You're listening to Travel Nursing and Allied Life, hosted by Travel. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Travel Nursing and Allied Life podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Callier, traveling physical therapist of the Allied Minute, host of the Allied Minute. And today we have Lori, who's a travel sonographer. But Lori, could you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Hi, I'm Lori Myers. Um, I have been doing cardiac ultrasound for about 25 years. Um, And I've been traveling on and off since 2016. Very cool. And listeners, this episode is going to be jumping into um, the differences between travel nursing and travel sonography, specifically cardiac. And so if you are a newer traveler listening to this, this will break down the big differences between travel nursing and um, your profession. That way you can kind of, when you're reading these blogs or listening to other podcasts, you can really decide um, what information is pertinent to you pertinent to you when you're listening to um, something on travel nursing um, versus something that's a little bit more specific to sonography. Um, Also, if you're a new recruiter, welcome. Um, We also do this for you guys. Um, A lot of times uh, when recruiters are coming from travel nursing side or to the allied side, there's big differences um, or little differences and um, they're needing to learn those as well as they they jump in. Um, Lori, for sonography, when you are um, in school, getting ready um, to start working, what does the education requirements look like? Sure. So um, the education requirements are set by the registry organizations. There are two uh, registry organizations that um, are used right now in cardiac ultrasound. One is CCI, which is Cardiovascular Credentialing International, and ARDMS. Uh, which is the American Registry for Diagnostic Medical Sonography. So those requirements for education can be found on their respective websites. Um, But for the most part, it is you have to have an allied health background. Um, Most allied health programs are at least a year or two long. Um, And, you know, that can go all the way up to a four-year degree. But the minimum requirement is... Uh, usually an allied health degree. Got it. And then before jumping in to travel, about how much experience do you need um, before you're able to start your career as a traveling sonographer? So most recruiters uh, ask that you have two years of experience in a hospital setting. Um, Clearly, the more experience that you have in the hospital setting, the better. Um, they like you to be proficient in stress echo and TEE. Sometimes they want uh, PEDS. I've worked, I'm not a PEDS tech, but I have worked um, where PEDS is a requirement, but it's limited uh, pediatric uh, experience. And that's usually because they uh, want to send you to the NICU to rule out any um, serious congenital situations where they might have to life flight a baby out to another hospital. Um, now that does vary from facility to facility. Um, so it just depends on what the assignment looks like for that contract. Got it. And when you're, are you able to jump between um, settings or specialty? I know there's like kind of the general sonography and then there's the cardiac sonography. Are you able to jump between those pretty easily or would you need to have those two years experience before jumping into that setting? 
So general ultrasound and cardiac ultrasound are two totally different uh, specialties. So general ultrasound is uh, pretty much, it can include vascular as well, but vascular can also be included with cardiac. That's really the only component that can kind of toggle between the two. So general ultrasound would be your OB, um, abdominals, uh, pretty much all the other internal organs. Um, and that is usually performed in out of radiology. Um, if you're a cardiac sonographer and you travel to a smaller hospital, um, particularly a critical access hospital, you will most likely be working out of the radiology department as well. Um, but for the most part, you work out of cardiology at the bigger hospitals. Got it. Got it. Awesome. And when you are getting licensed, you're moving between state to state. Are there specific state licenses that you have to get in every state? Is it a national license? What does the uh, licensure process look like? So CCI and um, RDCS. So RDCS is for cardiac sonography, but ARDMS is that governing body. So if you are an ultrasonographer in general uh, or cardiac, um, you are going to be licensed nationally. However, there are a handful of states and you'll want to check with uh, your recruiter. And also you can Google it. It's readily available online. There's a handful of states that also do require uh, state licensure. One of them that sticks out is Oregon. And so if you go to the, the state's website, they the information is readily available there and your recruiter will help you get that state licensure. However, it's always best if you have that licensure already, because then you're ready to go and accept a contract uh, if offered immediately. Um, the process in some states can be daunting from what I understand. I have not worked in a state that has a state requirement um, just because I haven't been interested in working in those states at this point. Um, but the process can be fully explained on those state uh, websites. Yeah, for therapy, it kind of depends on the state. It could be as quick as two weeks, could be as long as um, three to four months, um, sometimes longer if they're really backed up. Um, but usually um, the recruiters have a really good pulse on how long it takes for those specific states. And hopefully they also have like kind of a time um, expectation on the website as well. Uh, Lori, what does orientation usually look like for you when you're showing up? And um, are you getting kind of just thrown into the middle of everything after a HIPAA quiz? Or do you usually get a week to kind of get your bearings and hit 100% productivity? What's that look like? So orientation um, usually involves some kind of modules to be done before you go to the facility. But I have gone to some facilities, although it's not the norm where modules aren't required. Um, and every... Um, travel companies sort of has their different requirements based on the facilities needs. So like the assignment that I'm on right now, I had to do modules and I think there were 20 of them that were required before uh, day one. So um, my particular company paid a standard rate for that. Um, so you'll just have to check with your recruiter to see how pay works for, for that. Um, but pretty much facilities want you to be up and running usually um, that first week where you're independent. Um, you know, you just have to check with the uh, your recruiter. It can be a week, but I, my, in my experience, they want you up and running right away. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Got it. And what does the typical schedule look like? Are you doing a lot of weekends traveling around? Um, I know for therapy, we don't really work um, night shifts or anything like that, but anything that a recruiter might um, not know coming from like the travel nursing side, um, what does your schedule usually look like? So I will tell you that it varies widely for cardiac ultrasound, and it's really going to depend on the facility where you're working. So um, you can work. What I have found is that most of it is days um, and some facilities require call. Some don't require call. Um, I have seen 24 hour shifts where the hospital is staffed 24 hours and you might work four tens. You could work five eights. Um, you could work an evening shift or an overnight shift. So there's really, it's really based on kind of what you want to do. You can pick and choose the assignments that you want to take. Um, after 25 years, I prefer not to take call anymore, um, but I will. It just depends on what that that call rotation looks like. Um, if it's, a, a, you know, every six weeks or so, then maybe I would agree to that. It just depends on other factors of that particular contract. Got it. And for maybe um, some newer travelers um, that are well-versed in um, sonography, but kind of newer to the travel scene, um, is there anything clinically that you can um, kind of recommend or uh, might be a little bit different um, when thinking about kind of working at the hospital um, permanent that they have been when jumping into travel? Is there anything change uh, clinically when you start traveling? So, you know, some of the things that you need to be prepared for are um, the different machines that you might work on in ultrasound. Some facilities have older machines that are dinosaurs that some of the newer techs may have never used before that require a little more tweaking um, than some of the newer machines. After working in this field for so long, I find a lot of the older machines and the new machines are similar in the knobology, but they might be in a different location on the machine. So when you talk to the facility during the interview process, ask them what machine that they're currently using. Then you can get online and look and see what the knobology is and what the settings are um, that you can change. And that's, I find that to be really helpful. Um, I also like to ask if they can send me their protocol beforehand so I can get used to it and look it over and see what's expected of me when I'm scanning a patient. Um, so most facilities do follow a set protocol and they like you to stick to that. So I find that to be helpful as well. Got it. Awesome. And for um, the recruiters that might be listening, um, what's a typical day look like for you um, when you're on the floor and kind of seeing patients? Are you bouncing around between rooms? Are you all over the hospital? Are you sticking usually in the uh, cardiac ICU? What's your typical day look like? Again, it, it really depends on the facility. So I have worked at some facilities where all I do is outpatients, um, but I, in the hospital setting. Um, and so, But most of the time you're not just doing outpatients if you're at a hospital. Um, they will have us do inpatients, and that could look like, uh, depending on what programs they have, I'll give you an example. When I was in New York, they had a very heavy structural heart program. So we worked in structural heart mm -hmm. uh, with the TAVR valves. We also worked in the EP lab. So we were um, in the cath lab uh, area most of the time 
with a calf lab scrubs on um, so that they could pop in and out of those rooms. Um, and now with COVID, we are going into COVID rooms. Um, we're doing uh, scans on LVAD patients. So if you're at a level one trauma facility, you could be doing any one of those things during a typical work week. I find that to be extremely fascinating because um, instead of being a robot doing one thing the whole 13 weeks, I like to jump around from structural heart to EP to doing the health mm-hmm. patients to the NICU. I just think that that's really exciting and it um, keeps my interest for the time that I'm on those contracts. So you could expect pretty much anything when you're at a level one trauma facility. Um, and then if you're at a critical access hospital, you might have low volume where you're only doing a couple of mm-hmm. outpatients and a couple inpatients a day. Um, and it could wind up being a snooze fest if you're somebody who's used to being busy in that eight or 10 hour shift. Got it. Well, Lori, that was all my questions. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing um, your information. Um, if you are listening to this, again, welcome to the Allied Minute. We'll have more series on this comparing um, allied professions to travel nursing. But thank you so much, Lori. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dylan, for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Travel Nursing and Allied Life. You can find the full show notes below or at travcon.org. Please help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. 